welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hello and welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. This is Father Sean. And Father John, thank you for listening. Great to be with you. This is a celebratory episode. Very much so. A few weeks late, but we are, uh, yeah... We're very, we're just happy guys today because we're talking about 14ers. What Uh, better topic is there than that? That is true. Although you ruined it. I just listened to your last podcast while I listened to the banter part. Oh yeah, with Machado? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that was before we agreed that we were going to do this topic. That's fair. Um, Yeah. So uh, yeah, Father Sean and I were at dinner last night with uh, some some fellow 14er people. And you know what was funny? is like we were either talking about children or 14ers. That's right. I don't think they knew what to talk to us about. <laughs> we love the Beasleys and the Morrises, but it was kind of like, oh, okay, you know. You gotta. But, but in defense of that, the occasion for the dinner was to celebrate finishing the 14ers. No, but I'm just saying like they, they kind of forgot we have jobs. <laughs> like did anybody ask you about your parish <laughs> or the seminary? Will did at one okay. point. He said, how's the parish going? It was, you know, like conversations volley back and forth. You're like, oh, that's interesting. Potty training, crazy. <laughs> Never thought about that. Um, and then and then they'd look at us and be like, so what? What's your next peak? <laughs> and it's like, what's the uh, next list? We also like, uh, we do have a vocation. Maybe maybe we talk about mountains so much, but it was fun to be with them. They're, yeah, they're great. great. They're old friends of ours. And the, the girls uh, were on track to finish with us. But uh, and they got pregnant, and they got married. Married first, yes. Um, Important distinction. And then they got pregnant. <laughs> so it was yeah, funny. I just thought that was kind of humorous last night. It was a great dinner. It was super fun. It was fun to be together. Shout out to them. But yeah, hopefully they finish one day. They they're probably going to be finishing with their kids now. And like I think it's going to fifteen be. years, twenty years. Yeah, I mean watching Cora Marie climb yesterday. She's how old? Two. Two. I don't know. I know these kids, they could be six months, they could be five. We have no idea. We had a very long debate uh, that was sparked by the presence of two women, of course, Andrew Polito and Kate Spaceship, with like 15 of my guys over uh, holding babies, like whether a man should like to do this. Oh, interesting. Like by nature, because I have zero desire. Really? Zero. Even like your godchildren, you don't just like, like having them? Like when they're baby babies? No, like, like when they're three and you can kind of wrestle with them and have play with them. That's fun. But like, I don't, my mom sees a baby and has to hold the baby. Yeah. Women do do that. I don't feel any desire for that. And that was the whole discussion of the, I mean, when there's, when a baby falls asleep in your arms, like it's amazing. Yeah. I don't, that I don't, doesn't happen to you. I don't know if it's happened. I don't think I've, yeah. I don't think I've held them for longer than like 30 seconds. I just, it just doesn't, I feel no. No desire. It's they're great to look at. As Cody, <laughs> there's there was a couple of whiskeys uh, during this conversation. So you know, as things do, they get more ridiculous. But I was like, <laughs> the idea of a baby. It's like if my friend was like, I just bought this three thousand dollar camera. Here, here, hold it, hold it. I was like, I don't want to hold it. <laughs> like, no, no, you gotta hold it. You gotta hold it. It's so amazing. You just you gotta feel it, and it's incredible. I'm like, I don't want to hold it. Uh, I like looking at it. I like that you have a camera. It's a beautiful, miraculous object. Cody, and then there's banter back, and then Cody <laughs> Cody describes it as like, and this is amazing. He's like, it's like having a gun without <laughs> without anything in it. There's no, there's no, you know, no bullets in the gun, but it's just like, yeah, just point at your head, you know, <laughs> just hold the baby. It's like, you know, what could possibly go wrong? There's no bullets in the gun. Yeah. So anyways, we totally won the argument by being more ridiculous than everybody else. And being but, celibate, that's like a very likely scenario. But it sounds like you have I just have might a drop strong, this baby at any moment. Right. And apparently they're very like malleable, you know. Yeah, but it sounds like you have more of an interest in holding babies. I do enjoy holding babies. I was just over at the, the Rudolph's house. And they have a, golly, how's Hank now? Henry. Um, I don't know, three, four, five months? I don't know. I lose track of all these things so quick. Like you said, it could be six months or it could be five years old. Um, What's the name of that oldest Rudolph kid? Gabe. I have never experienced anything like it. He's like a Wunderkind. His ability for recall. Oh, it's name, crazy. Name a Disney movie and he can tell you what year it came out in. That and he can sing you every <laughs> single line from it. I have never. I, I, like, I was like, this is like, this kid, he's going to be like the. <laughs> I don't know. He's just bred for like Jeopardy or something like this. It's just, his recall is unbelievable. Have Anyways. you ever heard of Angel Force? No. No, most people haven't. I hadn't heard of it. 
Well, apparently Matt Rudolph is like a star of Angel Force. It was like this EW10 special. Okay. <laughs> and when he was like 10 years old, him and a few of his brothers were on this show called Angel Force. So if you look up, he's going to kill me for saying this. So he's a child celebrity. He's a child that celebrity. That explains why he's so messed up. You know, to the Coley Culkin <laughs> and these types. Just joking, Matt. To the point where when he went to Franciscan, he was there and someone looked at him and goes, you're Matthew Rudolph? You were in Angel Force? <laughs> and he hates that. He absolutely hates it. All right. If you see Matt Rudolph, please ask him. Or if you've ever seen Angel Force, now you know who the all-star is. That's amazing. We got to find some YouTube videos of that. It's like straight out of the 90s, like horrible graphics, horrible everything. (laughs) That's really funny. Oh, man. So anyways, that was dinner last night. (laughs) This is another day in our life. But um, yeah, how do you want to go about this today? I don't know. I was thinking we could share some stories from 14ers. Most of this, I don't know. I think this is going to be fun for the two of us. I don't know how interesting this is going to be for everyone else. And I figured if we need to tie anything in, we can always talk about theology of mountaineering, Blessed Pier Giorgio Frasati or something like that. Yeah, well, let's just riff on it. I mean, I just wrote a book on this topic. and you Yeah, and I, congrats you and I, on thank pu- Well, almost published. It's yeah, in the publisher's hands. Not anywhere near published, but uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, that was funny last night. You you helped me out. I felt like a real brotherly moment when <laughs> I've just spent the last so so I've been dreaming of writing a book on the outdoors uh, about basically this the spirituality of um, Catholic spirituality in the in the backcountry very specifically how do we encounter God in creation all these things and so for like years I've been the book finally came together about two years ago centered around the Carl Trail. I've talked about this. I think I've talked about it a number of times on the podcast. Anyway, spent the last 10 months writing it. So the draft is out there. And Catherine being the sweetheart that she is, she's like, if nobody publishes it, will you give me a copy of it? And you're just like, somebody's going to publish it. you know. So I'm like, oh, oh, it's gonna get please published. don't say that. Um, but yeah, it's in the hands of some, some editors, possible editors here. I was just looking for, what is the first 14er that I ever did with the young chach, a.k.a. Sean Conroy at the time? What year would that have been? 2012. 2012, Mount Huron. Yep. Huron July Peak. 5th, 2012. Oh, it was the 5th. I we a... were with 35 people <laughs> on that mountain. I have, uh, I have this, is, this shows the depths of my nerdy, nerddom and the fact that I am Daryl Nepple's son. I have an Excel spreadsheet of every 14er and everybody who I've done it with going back to 1997. That's incredible. And so, yeah, there was 35 people on that hike. That was a Totus Tuus group. 14,003 feet, class two, July 5th. That was a nice day. And that was the first time I said mass on Mount Huron. So that was my first 14er ever. First 14er ever, and you were how old? I was eight. I had just turned 18 <laughs> the week before. <laughs> That's so insane. <laughs> so insane. So that was, yeah, obviously 13 years ago. Yeah, to us. That no, was great. Not 13 years ago, 11 years ago. 2012, 11, th- yeah, 11 years ago. That was a great way to do like because totus two is right we got so many people from the midwest uh flatlanders and they come to colorado the archdiocese of denver to teach totus two and it's like what are you going to do for midsummer break you're going to go hike a 14er yeah absolutely and we started doing that steve and i did the that was for that was totus two trip number six so we had done that for six summers um crazy because we had started when we were doing totus two and you came on later and i was teaching totus two as a yeah. priest at that time um so Let's just talk about the 14ers in general. If you're not familiar with this, there are 54 peaks that are above 14,000 feet. This on is the official list. On the official list. Now, the, the the I will not go on this forever, but we do need to name it. There are many people in Colorado who probably just moved here from California or Illinois uh, who say there's 58 14ers. But those of us who have been here for long haul know there's only 54. The debate is what's the difference between a mountaintop? Mm-hmm. And so there are four... So, do you want to do this now, or should we come back to this later? Let's do it now. What's okay, a fourteener? What is a fourteener? Fourteener uh, is a a point over fifty or over uh, fourteen thousand feet. The question becomes: How do you differentiate a mountain? And so, the the standard number is that there's three hundred three hundred feet of prominence, which mm-hmm. means that it drops three hundred feet. So it's not a it's not a space between two peaks between, between two peaks. So yeah. it's not a space uh, horizontally. It's the depth that mm-hmm. and distinguishes. Is that arbitrary? Yeah, basically. But that seems to be the kind of standard uh, that has always been there. If you do that and apply that to the high peaks of Colorado, 
high points above 14,000 feet, you get 52. Mm -hmm. But there are two exceptions that are classically held. One is uh, the Maroon Bells. Mm -hmm. So South Maroon. South Maroon, which is just a it's very obviously another peak, even though it's not a full 300 drop. It's 297 feet. Oh, that's crazy. We just got to go in the center and take a shovel and dig it out. There you go. And then uh, um, the other one is El Diente, uh, El Diente right? which El Diente. is a sub-peak of Mount Wilson. Uh, and that one does not have much prominence. I think it's like 100 feet. Right. But that those are two very far apart so far yeah so far we've hiked that ridge yeah the ridge is probably like a mile like it's you you got to go pretty far to do that uh traverse uh and it's a pretty hard ridge too so it's it's a class four ridge and so it's very clear like no 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 these are two separate peaks these are two separate mountains right and so that that gives you the standard number of 54 the four kind of questionable ones um which are not questionable really but you know, people add them, but Bill uh, Middle, Middlebrook added them. Bill Middlebrook. Um, so we're 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 Jerry Roach guys from the old school days. But Bill Middlebrook, who started fourteeners.com, has done great work. He's he says there's 50, 58. and it just it gets gets rid of the prominence. But one or two of them are just patently insane. That they're definitely not different peaks. So, anyways, we go by fifty four. Uh, the fifty four peaks of Colorado. This is the ceiling of of the uh, of the. I think of the United States because they're all right here. And the mm -hmm. only, only 14ers in the Rocky mountains are in Colorado. Right. Um, so sorry, Montana. You yeah. Like the most condensed. So awesome. Uh, it's, there are some 14ers on that are volcanoes on the Pacific. Mm -hmm. Um, but we have all of them right here in Colorado. They are, uh, over six different ranges. So the front range, the mosquito, um, 10, 10 mile. mile range, which is kind of one, uh, the Sangres, the Elks, the Sawatch, and the San Juan. Did so, I get them all? Yes. And the the biggest ranges are the Sawatch in the middle, and then the San Juans in the southwest. Mm -hmm. Yep, those both have a lot of 14ers. Um, I don't know. I'm sure. I mean, obviously, Alaska has 14ers because they have Mount McKinley, which is 21 or 1,000 mm -hmm. feet or whatever, the tallest mountain in the U.S. Um, but I don't think we consider that part of the Rockies, do we? No, no, it's that's a separate different. Mountain yeah, range. yep. So yeah, this is the uh, the Rocky Mountains do get higher up in Canada, um, but then these volcanoes on the on the Pacific side are, are higher all the way up into. So back to this uh, July fifth on Huron Peak. There's 35 people. One thing is Huron Peak. I'm just going to put a secret out there. This is a hidden gem. Everybody comes to Colorado and like let's do a 14 year, and they all go up <laughs> Beerstadt, and it's like Beerstadt's fine. It's it's okay, but. Huron is in the Sawatch Range, which is about two and a half hours from Denver, mm -hmm. and uh, it's just far enough away that nobody knows it's there, and it's a great first mm -hmm. hike, and that's why I took an army of Totus Tuus teachers up uh, that one. Do you remember that that route? I do. We started in trees. I don't remember how long it was or anything like that. Um, I was also 18 and prideful, so I had to be the first one up. <laughs> so, oh, did you? So me and Nolan clearly, clearly were the first two to reach the summit. Um, but I don't really remember. I was just prideful, young, and just wanted to make the summit before everyone else. That's awesome. Well, I was 28 at the time. I was younger than you. That's crazy. Um, and I was probably doing the same thing. So, um, yeah, Huron is a great peak. Um, it, it's situated the Sawatch Range. Most of the ranges of, of uh, that make up the the high peaks of the Rockies are um, – they're plate tectonic base, mm -hmm. so there's these fault lines. So they have kind of a big run. Yep. The one exception to that is the um, San Juan Mountains in the southwest, which are this just kind of huge area of volcanic activity, and they have a really different look to them. And every, all, all these 14ers came to be through plate tectonics and volcanic eruptions and, um, and of course, glaciers, but um, they're very different. But I, I'm just going to put Huron out there as a – if you're coming through town – yeah, uh, go check it out. Yeah, so the that's part of the Sawatch, so it's all the plate tectonics, as you mentioned. When uh, you go down to the San Juan, southwest Colorado, so by the Four Corners, if you ever go there, you've all heard of these towns. It's like Telluride. Um, that's probably the most famous one that most of you have probably heard of. There's a small town called Uray. Anyways, it's right. Uray is called the Switzerland of America. I mean, it's one of the most the most beautiful places I've ever been to in Colorado, probably in the U S um, maybe even in the world, there's, there's nothing like it. 
but because of the way the mountains are formed, they're not north and south or east or west. They're like, you just get these wild mountain passes. You get wild weather through there. It's super, super incredible. But if you're flying into Denver, it's like, yeah, go go to the Sawatch Range, Buena Vista area. That's where some of the most beautiful peaks are. Absolutely. And, and it, the the best bang for your buck anywhere is handies, I think. Mm. If you want a, a real easy, if you're intimidated about like, man, I don't know if I can do this, and you have time to drive into southwestern Colorado, mm-hmm. go into the American Basin and climb handies. You're right smack in the middle of the most beautiful part of the whole state, and it's, it's easy. Yeah, I would say that's the easiest 14er yeah. by um, route, but getting there with a the car is a little bit more complex. Right. It'll take a little while. It'll take a little while. So so what is a 14er? We did that. Maybe just to ask the question, why do you like hiking 14ers? This seems crazy. Why would you spend all day going 4,000 feet up a mountain only to celebrate mass and then turn around and have to go downhill, destroy your knees? <laughs> uh, what's the draw to it? Why is it so much fun? Well, I just wrote a book on that, so I don't want to blow it, you know, and share too much. Sure. I think that the, the reason... W- Asking the question of why we climb mountains is one of the most, um, it's one of the most kind of fascinating questions that you can ask because it, it is crazy. It's mm. a crazy thing to do. What is it this kind of irresistible draw to the heights to go to these high, and not everybody has this in them, but but what what is it about getting up there? I was telling somebody, I just, I just think more clearly above 8,000 feet. I just said that recently to somebody. I was just like, you get me above there, especially above tree line, everything just kind of clears out. And so I think that for us, in many ways, there is an experience of um, we're climbing towards God here. We're, we're heading into the, into the very summits and the very heights of creation. And it, and it creates upon us a kind of perspective, not just physically, where we can, when you get above tree line, you can just see everything for miles and miles, but you actually begin to, it changes your spiritual perspective. Mm. You feel the smallness of things um, and the grandeur of creation, the, the, the kind of, it, it impresses upon you this sense that, um, not just of my own littleness, but, but really of, of the magnitude and the power of things as they've come to be. Mm. I think that's just the, a first cut at it. How about you? Ah, I think similar. I think <clears throat> certainly like, while not everyone desires it, I do think it's in human nature to, to ascend the heights, you know, whether that's spiritually, we can make a spiritual analogy here, going back to the tower of Babel, like there's something about like, let's build something so we can go to God, Mm -hmm. but not to over spiritualize it here. I just think there's, there's something just very natural about getting up on top of a peak when you're uh, a 14 er So it's, it's the highest thing in sight and you have a perfect 360 degree view around you of everything. And you can see, I was just up on, Mount Princeton two weeks ago with uh, some buddies, some uh, focus missionaries and their um, disciples from uh, UNL, uh, Nebraska Lincoln. And uh, we hiked Mount Princeton and you could see in the background, the three apostles, uh, which are three peaks, they're 13ers. Um, it was just really cool. Cause I was preaching about that. Like, what does it mean to be apostle? And it's just cool how, uh, how connected these all are. Yeah. So I think we desire to like go up, to see beauty, to do something hard and you get to the top and it's, it's super, super refreshing and amazing. And, and you feel a sense of accomplishment. I just got, found a quote from Ratzinger here. Uh, and he, this is from Jesus of Nazareth. He says the mountain, he's talking about the fact that Jesus ascended mountains. They were his privileged place of mm. prayer for many times. They were the place of particular anointing of transfiguration, uh, of grace and, and ultimately of redemption. So the mountaintops, um, have always symbolized this, man's innate desire for uh, to ascend to god and they sum up the kind of religious desire and the drive for transcendence i want to move beyond myself mm. i'm not just made for this life um that's what makes me different than the animals and so it expresses something of our religious nature even if people say oh, i'm not religious i'm just spiritual whatever okay mm. ratzinger the mountain is the place of ascent not only outward but also inward ascent it is a liberation from the burden of everyday life a breathing in of the pure air of creation. It offers a view of the broad expanse of creation and its beauty. It gives one an inner peak. It gives one an inner peak dues. Oh, sorry. I must have typoed this. Sorry. When I typed it up, uh, it gives one a sense of an inner peak and, and an intuitive sense of the creator. So mm-hmm. this notion of like inner peaks, it's just like really That's cool. Yeah. It's a really beautiful um, and powerful insight. The The whole, Mystery of Christianity, though, is, of course, it's not about 
solely man's ascent to the heights. It's also about God's descent mm. to man. Um, I was contrasting Nietzsche and Balthazar in the book because Nietzsche is, you read, thus spoke Zarathustra, his great Ubermensch story, mm-hmm. and it's all about the heights. Ubermensch is up on the mountaintop mm. and he's above the herd, all these kind of stupid people who still believe in morality and things like this. Yeah. And uh, so the Ubermenches are calling to each other from mountaintop and it's, it's glorification of the heights, but Balthazar says, God had no need of the heights, he had need of the depths. He says that in Heart of the World. So it's God's descent that meets our rising ascent. And the mountaintop, the summit of faith, the Eucharistic love of God becomes that, that place. But it, it initiates by God's descent um, all the way into hell mm-hmm. and to the depths of creation. So anyways. No, I, I think that's absolutely right. That's an interesting phrase, inner peaks. I like that. Um, yeah, I mean... Even thinking as you were saying that, I was thinking of, <clears throat> uh, I remember watching this, um, golly, I don't, it came out, what, in 99, 2000, the, um, the IMAX cinematography on Everest, and I went with my family to the IMAX theater, so I was probably seven or eight at the time, and I just remember it, like, so fascinating, uh, fascinated as an eight-year-old, just like, Mount Everest like that would be amazing to climb one day and I remember seeing some of the cinematography of like uh right next to the ocean because they were doing some other filming not just Everest but right next to like the ocean there would be like these massive mountains just popping out and gives you this sense of like sea level to mountain and um I mean you see that like up in Sweden Finland those type of areas as well but this idea of just like it just uh rises straight out of nowhere and you're like I want to send those. I want to go to the top, right? Man will always have a desire for that. I would love to climb Everest. I think it's probably a waste of money and probably not worth it with all the, um, how like it's just become today. But yeah, you wrote that in your thank you note to me. Uh, it was very kind of you to write me a thank you note. (laughs) You gave me a gift. I made Sean a little plaque congratulating him on the pod, on on the podcast, on finishing the 14ers. Because Mike Zizda did that for me. Mm. Um, I was looking at the list. Did you add your name to the the list of people who have summited the 14ers? I did. So if you go to CMC, Colorado Mountain Club, you can add your name. But Oh, they haven't updated it they yet. They haven't updated it yet. So you're going to be in probably number 2067. Sweet. So Which I'm sure there's more finishers than that. People no doubt. No doubt, yeah. People probably don't always add their names. But I saw you on there. You were like 1700 or something like that. Yeah, I forget. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's, there's many more people, but so, um, I finished climbing the 14ers in the summer of 2013, right before my 30th birthday. And that was, uh, Missouri mountain, August 17th. Uh, that was 23 of us up there. So we always had big crews. Uh, you were not, I was not there. We had climbed the summer before. I'm looking to see if there was other ones we had done. Um, I was still, I think I was like in SY around that time and all that stuff. So I don't know if I had as much freedom, but it wasn't until I got into like philosophy and theology that you, you would come, you were in Rome, you would come back for the summers and then uh, we would climb during the summers together. That's right. Uh, Father Nathan Goebel of the podcast was there. Um, my brother, my whole family was there. Even Father Brian Larkin was there. That's awesome. I, I looked that. at a photo and I was like, oh, he used to do cool things. <laughs> He actually used to go to the mountains. And uh, I was like, oh, I reminded him of that recently. But now he hasn't been west of Santa Fe in eight years. Hasn't been west of Santa Fe. And so, um, yeah, it was, it's just fun to look at this list. I've been at, I've been on the summit 120 times. Wow. 62 masses uh, and on all 54 peaks, thanks to a great finish with you. So talking about 54 peaks and like for someone out there who's just like, why is this so hard? Like what makes climbing all 54 of them so hard like what makes a 14 or so hard uh do you think you can answer that or yeah i think that it's uh you know there's something about the um with altitude in general no matter how you go and i've only gone into the 15,000s uh in in some alpine climbing in in switzerland so i haven't we haven't i haven't done anything crazy Mm -hmm. we've talked about so many trips over the years but we've we've yet to do kilimanjaro or these things um but in general, that kind of rarefied air, um, it really does a number on your body. 
And if you're not living at altitude, you got to be careful. I mean, we were telling stories last night of people being evac'd out, and it's always the same thing. It's mm-hmm. dehydration and altitude sickness and the problems that, that happen. But there's also, and this is what I love about taking people on 14ers, is um, there is mental limits that you can push through, mm-hmm. which give you a deep sense of uh, confidence and also of the the real the capacity that you have as a person, not just physically. Mm. Um, and the the mountains can become kind of a training ground for humanity in that sense, mm. of like you learn to to suffer in a way, but with an end at at stake. And I have taken, I, don't know, I feel like a thousand people on that list. Um, with me on 14ers and many of them are like you just running up the mountain faster than I am on their first one, but many of them struggled and, and all of them, there was a sense of success. Mm. Um, I've rarely called off 14ers. I probably should have called off a few more of them. A couple of these people on the list, I should not have taken. Um, but for me personally, especially when I became a priest, I think of just being a father and a guide, um, you know, and a friend to somebody walking with them. Um, Mary Helen Bromley, I know listens to the podcast, had an awesome first 14 er up, uh, beer stat with her for her 60th. No and that was a, that was a highlight for me. It was one of my favorite memories ever. Was that her first 14 er It was her first 14 At 60 years old? Yeah. 60 That's years incredible. old. And, but seeing her, and then we said mass together at the top and it was, it was one of these days where it was super socked in. It was so weird. Mm. Um, so we're in the clouds all day. This is in June. Um, and we finally get up to the top and it's, it's cold cause it's socked in. Mm-hmm. Um, and right during the Eucharistic prayer or the gospel reading, but then the Eucharistic prayer, the, the clouds start to open up mm-hmm. and it's the first time. So All day. Mary Helen's never been on a 14 or summit before. She hasn't even seen. And all of a sudden it just opens up mm-hmm. in the middle of mass, right? As Christ is, is becoming real in the, in the blessed sacrament. It was like, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't see it cause my back was the opposite <laughs> way, but sure. everybody said it was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and then you just you share life together on the trail, and uh, and there's something about what's that line from John Paul II? Uh, somebody says your friend is out there, and he says we're, we're not friends. We've never suffered together. Have you ever heard that mm. line before? There's something about if you haven't endured hard things with people, you're not. It's not a real deep friendship. Mm-hmm. And the fastest way to do that is just to go into the mountains together mm-hmm. and to do hard things. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would completely agree. I think I think. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Part of what makes them hard is the the altitude, the going up in the heights, you can't breathe. Uh, your body just functions differently at altitude and it's almost unpredictable. Like one, I've been altitude sick before and I'm um, accustomed or I'm, I'm whatever it's called uh, to altitude, like I'm used to it. But there have been probably two distinct memories where I felt altitude sickness and it's like, why did that happen? I don't know. Like your, your body just reacts weird at the altitude sometimes. Um, I remember, so the first 14er being here on peak, it's like, okay, that's probably like six, seven miles round trip, uh, 3,000 feet of elevation. It's not hard. And then I remember doing some research. The first class three I did was Kit Carson. And I had no idea what the heck I was doing. I was with Ryan Kent and we had no idea what we were doing. And we were just like, all right, yeah, we're going to start at, uh, the trailhead and go to the top in one day, which for that one, everyone backpacks in. And like, I just had no idea how these numbers work. So I was like, Oh yeah. 17 miles round trip. Oh, we could do that easily. Yeah. Oh, 6,000 feet of elevation. Oh, easily. I could do that. And <laughs> we were so toast. By the time we got back, Ryan was literally falling asleep as he's walking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like, yeah, I don't know. You, you do hard things and you realize these are not easy tasks and maybe to throw in one thing as well. I remember you, you, it was you who gave this insight of, we use this word climate control all the time. And I just love thinking about that now, like climate control. I'm inside climate control. I have my AC, I have my heat on whatever I need. I go into the car this time of year in Colorado. It's like you need your heat full blast in the morning and then you're driving yeah. home in the afternoon and you need uh, your AC back on full blast because um, of the change in temperature. But you can't have that when you're outdoors you're out there backpacking, you're on the peak of a summit, you're camping. And it's like, there's no such thing as climate control. You just, you're so vulnerable to rain, to snow, yeah. to the, the, the temperature swings. And it's, it's a very vulnerable place to be, 
but I think it's really good for us because we don't get worried about having nice things or this or that. We're just like, Lord, I just, I trust you. Yeah. I'm just out here. Nothing is in control in the back country. Um, there's always risk. Mm. Um, and we need to be really prudent, you know, and I've had gotten many lectures from my mother <laughs> over the years about, you know, things that we've done. Um, and so there should be no undue risk taking. Mm. There should avoiding recklessness at all costs. That really is important. That's part of just prudence, you know, um, and healthy living. But there, you can't eliminate the risks. You can't. You can't climate control your life. Um, and in some ways, it feels like the climate's like the last thing. It's like we control everything else, but you can't control the weather. Mm. So we create these indoor spaces, and then we stay indoors, and we we just kind of keep the air conditioning on, keep it perfect, you know, whatever temperature. And it's like, this is not the way we're supposed to live. Mm. Um, we just finished our last 14 er uh, father Sean and I, his last summit, my last mass, uh, Mount of the Holy cross. And I just, I bring this up because, um, we're hiking in late at night, uh, over half moon pass. And we just don't know what to expect in the morning because mm-hmm. the weather is so precarious. It was on October 2nd and we got it up. Sure enough, it starts snowing and we're just like, oh, geez, here we go. It's going to be cold. And then it doesn't and the sun hits for a bit and then we're, we got to wait for the other guys. And But do you want to talk a little bit about that last one and your oh, experience of it? Oh, it was so epic. It was amazing. So uh, this time of year, right, uh, it's fall. The equinox has already hit in. So the daylight's getting short. So we get... We're hiking all by night, all by headlamps by this point. We get to the trailhead. Uh, we had just eaten dinner. We drove two hours from Denver, and uh, we just put on our headlamps, start walking. <laughs> Hopefully, we're going the right way, kind of following the GPS. Uh, set up camp. It's about 9.30, 10 by the time we fall asleep. You had never climbed this peak. I'd never I climbed I hadn't this climbed peak, it in 20 years. Which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's so wild. And certainly, like, we had our beta. Like, we knew what we were right. doing, but... Um, we set up camp. We told <laughs> two of our friends, uh, we are leaving at 6 a.m. from the river, from the place that we virtually had camped. We were right off the trail, but we go back to the trail. We're waiting there and we're just like freezing. Like I'm in my puffy, like we're in all our, <laughs> all our layers. Uh, 6 a.m. hits and we're like, well, maybe they forgot. Maybe they slept in. Maybe they decided to cancel. <laughs> and it was a, a buddy of ours, Casey who um, was also, this was his summit finisher as well, his 14er finisher. And so, again, it's snowing, we're cold, so we have to go wait for them. Uh, and then we get um, we get to cell phone service, uh, so I noticed that I had some calls from them. And so, anyways, long story short, we reconnected. We summit together, which was amazing. Uh, I don't know, I thought I was going to like be emotional or something. It was like any other <laughs> summit. I was like, yeah. this is nice. It's also freaking cold. It was so cold. So then we get up there, we have mass, and like, like when were you were you saying this on this podcast or oh no, it was the last podcast? I was just listening to your banter. Uh, we literally looked like Teletubbies, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with like you had your blue hood on, I had like my uh, grayish orange hood on, and uh, we were just wrapped up in everything we possibly could <laughs> with these crazy looking albs on top and these random like <laughs> secular mountain girls are taking these two girls who summited right after us. They're taking photos. I think they were so cold that they didn't even think about like, this is really weird. What's ha- what are these yeah, guys doing? Totally. And then we said the fastest mass. That was the fastest mass I've ever said. Probably. Because we yeah. were, I mean, it was just. It was probably 15 minutes. Yeah, it was gorgeous. But yeah, that's that sense of like, cool, we did it. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're not, we didn't just burst into tears at the end. And yeah. not that we would um, <laughs> by temperament, but. There's something about that though. And I'm curious, my experience is like, cause people are like, all right, what's next? What's your next list? What are you and father Sean doing? I'm just kind of like, you don't do it for the list. Cause it's actually mm. not that satisfying to finish. Yeah. You know, like it's like, that wasn't the purpose. Right. Um, I did three 14ers by myself, Quandry peak and then red cloud sunshine. And, uh, all three of them were like pretty boring, honestly yeah. doing it by on yourself, by yourself. Um, Red Cloud and Sunshine was a little bit more enjoyable for me because um, I was in the area. I was I, It just worked out well. But when I did Quandry, it was just like, I was just going for the checklist. Right. And it was horrible. Right. I remember getting to the top of just like, why am I doing this? Like, I didn't even take time to enjoy the view. I just got up there and got down as quickly as possible, drove back to Denver, and then that was it. Yeah. It was like, I would much rather do this any day with anyone, having friends to do it, having community to do it with. 
And I think that that's, that's the joy of it. It's not, and we, there's a lot of people who wanted to be with us. Some who listened to the podcast who would support us and wanted to be there, but we had to, we had to call it off um, on the 14th of September because of this crazy blizzard that came through. And then we just had one day and we're like, let's just go for it. Mm-hmm. We just want to get this thing done. We don't want to, I don't want to wait another year. It's just like, let's just do it. And uh, it ended up being perfect, but we were bummed not to be with other friends because right. um, yeah, it's like uh, the purpose of this was to share life with people on the trail. Correct. And, and even deeper than that, to share life with Christ on the trail. And so it was always, it's always been kind of an ecclesial experience for us of like, mm-hmm. here comes that old adage, here comes everyone. That's kind of what would happen with our groups on these 14ers. So you got all these kind of, you know, super hip mountain people with all their technical gear. Uh, and then there's like 15 kids from Iowa teaching totus to us in jeans and like everybody's <laughs> dying and somehow we get everybody to the top and then we have mass and it's gorgeous, you know, and then it's like, uh, that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about the checklist. Um, and it's not about uh, the bucket list thing. I know people talk like that and I, I, I don't feel like you and I really have bucket lists that we have cool ideas and, mm-hmm. but ideas kind of mount they ideas for adventure come and go. Yeah. They have to be discerned and you can't grasp at them. And I don't think we have anything in our mind. We, we're going to be hiking mountains the rest of our lives as long as we can, but there yeah. has to, there has to be a freedom there. I think totally. I think a lot of them will be repeats, you know? So like, I don't have my exact numbers in front of me like you do, but I think I've had 67 summits now, uh, 54, the 14ers. And then I've summited, you know, beer stat like three times and Gray's and Tories a couple times. So, um, but I love it. Like yeah. I, I do it again and again. Like I just climbed Mount Princeton again, uh, celebrating mass on top. I would love to celebrate mass on all the peaks. I don't have a timeline. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but if it's like, great, yeah, I'll go with these friends to hike this peak. Great. You know, um, but I don't think it's like, yeah, we're going to do the, like, I think it'd be cool to do the Centennial Peaks, which are the top 100 peaks in Colorado, Centennial State, 100th, uh, we joined the the Union in 1876, so 100 years after uh, the Declaration of Independence. Centennial State, Centennial Peaks, I think that would be all super cool, but I'm like, if it happens, great. If not, who knows, you know? Oh, I was thinking you were planning it for the bicentennial. I was like, 2076? <laughs> I was like... I'll be I'll be uh, ninety. <laughs> I was like, I don't that'd know be awesome. Work, but I, you're just talking about the the Centennial Peaks, yeah. Yeah, the Bicentennial Peaks. I was peaks. like, I don't I, I don't know if I can guarantee uh, I can make it up a mountain in the year 2076. That would be the 200th anniversary of Colorado. Epic though, that'd be super cool. Um, I'm all into the dates like that, but I don't know. I mean, we're we're gonna be biking a lot next summer. Like, it, I don't know. We we don't do it for we do it for community, right? The ecclesial kind of stuff there so maybe a couple of questions just out of curiosity was there a summer what's the summer that you've climbed the most 14ers in i was looking back at my notes i think it was 2018 i believe i climbed 12 14ers yeah uh and again part of that was like i was just trying to check off the list certainly um but there was there was something fun about it and part of that too is like i think that was the summer i did the the calibron as we call it democrat lincoln bra so you can climb three in one day there's other ones where you have a connecting saddle or a ridge so you can climb two in one day. And it was just the summer where I did yeah. multiple. It's, it's classic. You know, I look at the list and it's like as 2000, 2010, 9, 2011, 11, mm-hmm. 2012, 10, 2013, 11. So I think 11 is the most, but those, that's when I was really moving towards, um, getting them done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's so like our friend Casey Van Pelt, he climbed I climbed, it's about, it took me 12 years roughly. I did one in 97 and then really started in 2001. So 12 years to climb them all and then another 12 years to, uh, or 13 years to say mass on them all. But again, we kind of take it as it comes, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, uh, uh, you, you do what you can. Uh, I moved to, you know, Europe for four years. So obviously didn't do a lot there, but um, tell me your favorite memory from the elk range. Oh, I was about to ask you some of those questions. Elk Range, Capital Peak. Capital Peak. That's also Describe like... Describe the knife's edge. That's also probably my favorite 14er. Yeah. And I have to caveat that with like favorite 14er. What makes a favorite 14er is just like beautiful weather and also who you're with. And I just had a great day with some really good folks. 
Which was amazing. That was not with me. It was not with you. We were going to do it so together. Sorry. And then you, I think, got sick. No, my knee was hurting. Oh, your knee was hurting. That's when you. I had tendonitis in my knee. So I had to bail. I drove back to Denver. So who did you do it with? So I did it with Ned Zurich, Garrett Cook, Hannah Steiner, uh, uh, Casey Van Pelt. And is that it? I think, yeah, I think just those guys. Um, That's a great crew. I got to meet this Hannah Steiner. This Minnesota girl is just crushing it. Has she finished crazy. yet? She hasn't. She has like 15 left. Oh, man. Love She's it. not as intense about finishing, but she probably will if she wants to. But Garrett Cook, Ned just finished, Casey just finished. Shout out to those guys. Uh, we we've had such it's just so much fun being with people who love this stuff, and there's so many strong hikers uh, oh, as well. It's amazing. Okay, yeah. so Capital is your favorite. Capital is great. So you start pretty low, maybe um, eight or nine thousand feet. So you got to climb like six thousand feet vertical, but you pack into Capital Lake, which is right at tree line. Uh, and that's like a six mile pack in. Uh, so a couple hours two two and a half hours. And then you wake up the next morning, probably 3am pretty early to beat the storms. And you kind of wind around the peak and then you get to this classic, what's called the knife's edge, as you just mentioned, and you're looking out over the knife's edge and then, uh, you see the, the summit off in the distance. So the knife's edge, uh, just think of a knife, like you're literally on a knife, uh, on a ridge line. So you kind of, sh- there's two different ways to, <laughs> to hike this. Yeah. Uh, one's the safer option. The other one is not the unsafe option. Kendall Westhoff, a buddy of mine, he, he, um, was with me on this peak as well. I forgot him. So he tight ropes it. He just no, walks across. No. It. I'm like, Kendall, no, you no, are no, insane no. because, Oh, I, I just, it's, I can't even believe that. <laughs> I have a video of it. I can show you later, but, uh, it's so steep on both sides you're going to cliff out like it's you're literally on a knife's edge that if you fall to the right you're dead if you fall to the left you're dead so Ima- the- imagine a uh maybe about three inches of granite that then slides down on either side at about a 60 70, 60, 70 degree and then cliffs off for three thousand feet mm-hmm. that's the knife's edge on both and sides it's about and it's about 40 feet long yep it's the craziest it's the sheerest piece of rock I've ever seen. It is incredible. The thought of walking on top of it is absolutely mental. Oh, I I think it was a death wish. I don't know what he was doing. So what did I do? <sighs> I straddled it. And like, uh, I don't know, like, you know, when you, well, maybe that's a crude image. I shouldn't say that. Uh, you just kind of straddle it. And then you just, you can just go slowly across. You just yeah. got to like pull Scoot, yourself scooting over. Scooting across. Scooting, scooting on. Um, and there's a couple moments where it gets a little wider where you can like, you know, kind of hold on with two hands at the top and then put your hand, uh, feet at one of the sides and then it gets narrow again and you got to straddle it again. But yeah, probably 40 feet. That probably section there probably takes 15 minutes to cross. Like you just got to go super slow and be careful with every step. Crossing it the first time is fun, but you got to remember, you got to cross it on the way back. back. You got to come back. Which is the harder part because you're tired and you're just ready to be done. Oh man, that's that's a great one. It's one of the best for sure. You've climbed that twice now. I have, yeah. Yep, and and people die every summer on on Capitol. Usually, not on the knife's edge. What happens is that they are coming back down, and they try and you have to go over this thing called K two and kind of go loop a long ways around, and they try and cut it, and they think, oh, we can get down to the lake because it's just over oh, there. It is right there. Well, that's mm-hmm. four thousand feet down to the lake, and it cliffs out, and people every sadly every summer there's deaths on Capitol. Uh, my favorite memory from the um the elks the elk range is around aspen colorado and they're some of the most stunning mm-hmm. and spectacular uh i think the san juans is our favorite but elks are are magnificent but we did the um mm. the the traverse between the maroon bells if you're interested in this stuff most people are probably not interested <laughs> in what we're talking about but if you are just start googling these things so the maroon um, bells are the most photographed place in the whole world someone really, told me really so everyone Maybe I shouldn't say everyone, but everyone's heard about the Maroon Bells or has seen a picture of it. Yeah. So we wanted to climb them. Uh, I had climbed them individually, but we wanted to do the, what's the traverse in between. There's three great traverses in Colorado between 14ers, and we had done those three. It was the third of us to do, but Sean and I did it with our friend Ryan Kent and just had an epic, totally epic day. He's got a framed photo of him on it in his <laughs> office. I do. A triptych. Uh, so, yeah. So, um the elks so many memories from there um climbing on the s ridge uh i, I chronicle a lot of these stories in in the book so um yeah know. don't give away all the secrets yeah so that's awesome did you, do you have a favorite 14er 
My favorite all around is Wetterhorn, uh, which is in the San Juans. And um, I think we need to go back and climb it next summer. We should. Um, and I invited the dermatologist, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was that podcast called? An interesting airplane conversation? <laughs> yeah, with Christopher Dawson. Like yeah, that was kind of random. Um, but uh, Wetterhorn is a class three. So there's the class level goes one to five. One is like you're walking down the street. Two is like you're on a trail. Three is where you're you're now climbing up vertically and using your hands. With exposure. With exposure. You don't want to fall. Class four is usually stipulated about really steep uh, climbing that either you don't need a rope yet or you're on snow. And so like a lot of the class four routes that we do are snow climbs. And then class five is going to be your, your proper rock climbing where it's totally vertical. Mm-hmm. Um, there are no standard routes up 14ers that are class five, mm-hmm. but there's maybe a handful. Five, yeah, six. Five, six that are uh, class, class four. I'm trying to think here. Little Bear, North Maroon, Crestone, Needle, um, like uh, Mount Wilson. Yeah, Mount Wilson. There's probably six or seven, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Capital. But what's crazy is like, North so Mar- take Mount Wilson, for instance. It's really like a class three most of the way up until the very, very final uh, move. Right. Uh, and so it's almost kind of a misnomer where it's like, oh, this is super easy. So you get walking, you get walking, and then you get to the final move and it's like no no no. this is the crux so a route is named for the crux so the hardest move could be uh 10 feet but if that's going to kill you <laughs> then they're going to name it class four for that 10 feet and again you're at you're so high up so yeah you're like oh it's just a class four move there but it, the the exposure is is really substantial so like what's the crux on the maroon bells pass like five four or something mm-hmm. like that class yeah. five um but you don't want to fall there it's right. just like and sometimes class four is harder than class five. So like the top of, we did, Sean and I did the, and then I did it with Casey again this summer. Actually, this story is worth telling. Okay, so I'm, <laughs> getting, I'm getting down to the the wire here. It's the last, it's this summer, it's July. Because we got to do Mount of the Holy Cross we do Mount to be the, the finisher on the Feast of the Holy we Cross. we got to finish on the Feast. Right. And Sean's checking them off, getting his last <laughs> ones done. And I'm like, I got to go do, because I the deal is I can only do one mass every day mm-hmm. on a mountain. So if you climb two mountains then you got to go back so that's what happened with the crest stones Crestone peak and Crestone needle which were some of the last 14ers to be climbed a hundred years ago crazy uh 1923 mm-hmm. is the first recorded completion of the Colorado trail or of the Colorado 14ers what's his name uh i can't think of it right now but he's he was from like iowa it was super random uh yeah that's a good question i have the list here but i i can't pull up. so anyways the the these crest stones were the last ones uh to be summited 100 years ago 1923 um and uh so i go down there with uh casey van pelt and in typical pelt van pelt fashion like we just hammer just uh, it's all just all out suffer fest and so we just hammer up there get up there we do the whole we we climb Crestone peaks so it's hours and hours to get up to this thing and then we climb the ridge, one of these great kind of class five ridges, uh, to get on top of um, Cresto Needle and then come back down. Now, I, for some reason, was convinced. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't check it, but I thought, um, I, said, I said mass on Crestone Peak five years ago with Sean. I just needed to do it on the needle. Mm-hmm. So I do the whole damn thing again. <laughs> climb... <laughs> For three days, do this thing. Climb a class five uh, pitch into this kind of shark's tooth type move. And then you get up on this slab that's super exposed for like 50 feet uh, that you, you're just holding on. And if you fall, you're absolutely dead. Uh, get to the top, say mass, we celebrate, <laughs> descend down this crazy class four thing as a storm's rolling in. Then go over um, broken hand pass, then go down, break camp, then go all the way out get to the car and i'm like oh no it was it right said, away when you got to the car i started to have suspicions and i was like i think i did it on the wrong 14er <laughs> i think i did it on the wrong crestone and so i texted you and i was like, like hey yeah. which mass did i say uh the no, crestone no, no. on five no, no, years no. ago you didn't say that you said hey do you have any photos from when we climbed the traverse and i was like yeah and then so i just shared album i just shared the album with him and then he looks at the photo of the mass and he geolocates it right because the iphone does that he geolocates and goes oh no (laughs) oh no i'm sure there's some other words in there as well i was so oh my i was just devastated so i was like you idiot you said mass on crestone needle twice (laughs) 
So that precipitated another trip up in August to do the whole thing again. And we did do mass on Crestone Peak. But you didn't do the Traverse that time. But I did not do the but Traverse the, that the time. But the peak is farther to get to. The needle is much shorter. Yeah. But to get to the Crestone Peak, you got to hike way, way out there and then do it. And yeah. so it's actually quicker to take the Traverse back. But. Yeah. So these are legendary. And I forgot my hosts on one of the mountaintops and there's all kinds of the stories book. these are all this is read about in the book the book is going to be called to heights and unto depths letters from the Carwa trail on humanity creation and god expect it in like 2076 <laughs> or something it's going to be a long time so on the bicentennial anniversary of colorado yep all right should we wrap this thing up here we're about an let's hour. do it well, thanks, everyone. Thanks for coming along this journey. I don't know if this topic is interesting to you, but I love talking about it. You know what? It definitely is for us. We could do hours and hours and hours on this topic. I mean, I could tell. I have a whole list of 120 stories here, but uh, I will spare you. But this is an encouragement to come out. Get up into, the, get up into creation itself, um, maybe as a final word from me. Peeper talks about Joseph Peeper. I'm teaching him on St. Thomas Aquinas. The secret to Aquinas' thought, according to Joseph Peeper, was the metaphysical distinction between God as creator and creation. Mm. And everything comes back to living and understanding our creatureliness. So, but, so, that, so much so that Walker Percy, who was a student of Aquinas, says that creatureliness is the essence of Christian spirituality. Mm. What he means by that is we have to understand ourselves as participating in God's being, as being dependent, as being limited, contingent, but also being as gift. And all of this gets played out uh, when we start with that fundamental thing. So go into creation, wherever it's at, the lakes, the, the, the forests, enjoy the fall, but come out to Colorado. We'll get you set up on a 14er. Maybe we'll do mass together. Love it. Let's do it. Shout out to Adam and Danica. Griner. Griner. Mm-hmm. Is that how you pronounce it? Danica. Mm-hmm. Yep. Adam came and spoke to my guys. This guy's awesome. Oh, no way. Love. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Love being with you. So, yeah, he's, he's great. Christians at Lords. Um, I would like to shout out everyone who have ever hiked a 14er with. <laughs> Classic. Thank you, Mike Rapp. <laughs> uh, and then there's also uh, three people I'd like to shout out who I hate to say this, but I can't remember any of your names. But um, a couple of people have come up to me recently, just fans. Um, one person on Sunday who just recently moved here, and she's a big time listener. Reintroduce yourself, remind me your name. I think she said Ohio or Iowa. She just recently moved from, and she's going to make Lords her parish, which is great. Uh, A couple of people in RCIA have said that they love listening to the podcast as well. So thanks for listening, uh, and thank you for, yeah, your support of the podcast and everything that you guys do for us. All right. Well, that's it. We will uh, be back next week. I don't know know who's up on the queue, but we're also going to put a little video uh, when this comes out of our of our uh, completion. Summit finish. So yeah. So thanks to everybody who supported us along the way and for everybody who made it through this podcast. <laughs> and happy trails as they say. Happy trails. Catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com. Thanks everyone. <laughs>